Hi friends and Merry Christmas. We are so honored that you're taking time out of your Christmas celebration to join us for some time in worship and to get into the word. Before we dig too deep into it today, I would love to just ask you a question. Did you know that the Christmas season actually doesn't end on Christmas day? It's true. Tradition in church history for generations has actually said that there is a season in the build-up to Christmas that is called the Advent season. That's where we do all of the lighting of the candles around the Advent wreath, and that's culminated in the Advent candlelight Christmas Eve service that we just did last night. And then the second season is actually called the Christmas season, and that begins on Christmas Day. Today, and this year's Christmas season goes from today all the way until January the 9th of next year. And so really, even though your brain might be telling you that as of the moment that you are done opening presents or when your Christmas dinner is finished, that Christmas is over, the church calendar actually invites us to reflect on Christmas beginning today. And so that actually puts a question in my mind that I wanna to pose to you, and then this is gonna be the theme of our time in the Word today as well. When I think about Christmas beginning on Christmas Day and going into the new year, it makes me ask questions like, what are the things that I'm doing in my life to make sure that I am keeping Christmas alive in my heart? Not just during the Christmas season, but all year round for every day of my life. And I know that that can be challenging. We live in a world that's full of distractions and Christmas itself can be exhausting and the holiday season can be draining. If we're not careful, we can get to Christmas and just want to be done with celebrating Christmas. And I understand that. But again, the invitation for us is to think about Christmas extending, continuing beyond today. So as I've been thinking about that invitation to keep Christmas alive, I want to share a few thoughts with you today from a person who spent a lot of time with Jesus and can serve as inspiration for us in keeping Christmas alive. In fact, in a message today that will be brief, but I will just title Keeping Christmas, I want to look with you at three moments in the life of Mary, Jesus's mother, and in each of these moments, we're going to just draw some inspiration for how we can learn from Mary and keep Christmas alive in our hearts and in our lives as we begin the Christmas season, as we look to move into a brand new year. So, as we highlight these three moments today, we'll begin in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2. The first moment is, uh, we'll, we'll pick it up right after Jesus has been born. And you might recall in the story of Jesus' birth that there were these shepherds out in the field and they had this encounter with, a, with an angel and he said that the Messiah was come. And then all of a sudden the whole host of angels came and they sang all of this incredible worship about the coming of the Messiah. And then it says in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 15, it says, When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And here's the key for today's message. 
In verse 19, it says, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The first of the three insights or observations that I want to share with you about how Mary kept the Christmas story alive in her heart is right there in verse 19. Mary kept the story in her heart. Think about the story of what Jesus did in impacting Mary's life. I mean, this was life-changing. She went from being a young girl to all of a sudden being a mom, and not just a mom, but the mother responsible to raise the very Son of God. I mean, this was life-changing, right? Right? It is a pretty significant moment. But you have to notice, and I think any parent in the room would be aware, that when a kid comes into your life, the birth of that child isn't the end of that story. In fact, that is just the beginning of the story. And so Mary automatically becomes a person who we can look to as an example for what it looks like to allow the coming of Christ to mark every day of the rest of our lives. And Mary does this, it says, in in one way, it says in verse 19, that she kept all of these things in in her heart, and not just kept them in her heart, but meaning that like as if she was keeping it a secret, but she kept them close to her heart. And it says in verse 19 in the New Living Translation, she thought about them often. So not only did she keep them there, but she returned to the story as often as she wanted to, because it was right there in her heart. So in other words, what that means is that Mary spent time thinking about how her life was impacted by Jesus. And obviously, because he was right there with her for all of these uh, 30-odd years as he was around her. Uh, and, And this matters to us in 2022 and as we move into the beginning of a Christmas season and move into 2023. This this matters to us a lot because we live in a in a world full of distractions. Right? I mean, I mean, there's always stuff trying to pull us away from the celebration of Christ. Even in the Advent, in the Christmas season, there's all kinds of things telling us that, hey, well, don't, don't celebrate uh, the, the real meaning of the Christmas season. And then there's all kinds of other distractions that get our attention off. And, and as soon as Christmas is over, we're going to go back to work or go back to school. And, and we're just going to leave the Christmas season behind. And Mary is the invitation that says, no, don't leave the Christmas season behind. Keep it in your heart. So Mary invites us to resist the urge to move on from the impact that Jesus has on our lives. Which, by the way, if I could just do as like an advertisement for a second um, and tell you that this is exactly why on January 1st, we are doing, we're launching what's called our 2023 Simple Start. This is 23 days where we are going to fuel the whole rest of our year with fasting and unplugging from distraction. We're going to take time to examine our our day and the the way that we spent keeping God close to our hearts. And then we're going to do something called the practice of Lectio Divina, where we're going to pray through Scripture, specifically through the Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew chapter 5. And we're doing that because we want to learn from Mary's lesson and keep all these things in our heart and return to them and think about them often. So the first thing that I want to invite you to to do is that at some point today, would you stop to think about the, the impact 
that the story of Jesus coming into the world and coming into your life, stop and think about the impact that that story has had on your life. And maybe this is something you could do with your family around the table or even uh, when this service is over, you can look at each other and talk with each other about the ways that the story of Jesus coming into your life has impacted the world that you live in. And how are you keeping that story close to your heart? Now, next we see the second thing that we see here from Mary is that she searched for Jesus when she noticed that there was distance. Now, this is some years later, and it says in Luke chapter 2, still in, Luke, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, but down in verse 41, we see that it says that every single year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was about 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up at the when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. I mean, could you imagine the frantic nature of how Mary and Joseph must have been feeling in that moment? And especially when you read verse 46, it says, for three days they were searching for him. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple. I mean, wow. <laughs> three days of searching for your kid. Could you imagine? And they finally find him. And where do they find him? In the temple. Sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? In another translation, some other translations, uh, maybe in the one that you read most often, uh, it might say something like, didn't you know I must be about my father's business? But I like this. It says, didn't you know I had to go to my dad's house? I had to be in my father's house. And it says, but they didn't understand what he meant. And then the story goes on that then they go home and, and then Jesus submits to them and he didn't give them any more uh, of these moments. This only happened this, this one time as far as we're told in scripture. Now, First of all, before we dig too deep into what this moment can teach us, we do want to say that this is not about Mary and Joseph being bad parents. This is, this is certainly not that. It is perfectly understandable in the culture that they were in, uh, knowing that they traveled in large groups of people to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. They were going to be then traveling in a caravan of friends and family members back to Nazareth that they would have assumed, oh, Jesus is probably off with friends or with family members. We'll see him tonight. Well, when he didn't check in, that's when they started to panic. So we don't want to turn this into a story about how Mary and Joseph were actually bad parents. It's, it's quite the opposite, in fact. And so the lesson here isn't that. However, there are three things that I would just share with you very quickly that we can learn from Mary. And the first is that Mary gives us permission to confess that there are times when we also feel far from Jesus. You see, Mary doesn't become the terrible mom because of this. And, and I think something of the nature that, that Mary isn't an awful person because there was a moment where she felt far from Jesus, we should then, we're not Mary and we're not responsible to be the mother of Jesus, but we can learn from that to say, 
I wonder if maybe we could give ourselves some grace to understand that we also will go through some seasons where we will feel far from Jesus. Whenever I think about this story, I'm often reminded of C.S. Lewis wrote about something he called the law of undulation. And undulation is a, is a term that kind of just means up and down. Think of it like the waves in the ocean, undulating water. And what, what, what Lewis was talking about there is that there would be a, a rhythm to our life where we would have highs or peaks and low points or what he called troughs, uh, hills and valleys. And in the middle of our journey with Jesus, that there will be moments where we feel super close to God and there will be moments where we feel farther away from God. And Lewis wants us to, and I think Mary wants us to, and ultimately I think Jesus wants us to give ourselves a little bit of slack here, a little bit of grace and understand that we actually do have permission to confess the moments, not to hide and feel embarrassed and ashamed, but to confess that we too will have seasons of our lives where we feel like we are far from Jesus. The second thing here in this story that we learn from Mary is that as soon as you realize that there is distance between you and Jesus, search until you find him again. Now, it took them three days, but it didn't say they waited three days to find him. It said they immediately went back to go to find Jesus. So in your life, when you feel distant from Jesus, the second that you realize that, don't wait around or keep doing whatever it is that you're doing that made you feel far from Jesus in the first place. Turn around and immediately go back to search for the Savior. And the third thing that we learn here is that when you find Jesus again, Mary gives us permission to be honest with your emotions. Remember what Mary says. She goes, son, why did you do this to us? Your father and I have been frantically searching for you, right? Uh, but, but notice that Jesus doesn't apologize, and neither, he doesn't apologize because he was doing something important. He was in his father's house about his father's business. But, but neither does Jesus rebuke Mary as if to say, don't you know that I'm the son of God? How dare you be so disrespectful to me? Get in line, mom. He doesn't say that at all. They have a relational engagement, and then they pack up and go home. There's actually something really beautiful about that, that that, that we should ourselves, in our giving ourselves permission to admit that we feel far from God, should also feel permission to be raw and honest with Jesus in the moment where we find him again. Even if at the beginning of that conversation, it sounds a little bit like, a, like an accusation. So Mary was saying, why did you do this to me? The reality is that Mary and Joseph didn't really understand the, the moment that they were in. They didn't really understand the thing that Jesus was doing in that moment. And he was gracious about it, but it was good that they were honest with each other, that, that when we are honest with how we are feeling far from God, that it's probably true that Jesus will teach us something about what's really going on here, and we need to be teachable. But all of the opportunity to be teachable and find out what Jesus is really up to, it actually stems from us being honest, us making confession, and us saying we feel like we were far from you. I don't understand what you were doing. And so all of this is to say that there is an invitation for you to keep Jesus close to your heart and search for him until you find him whenever you feel like you are distant from him. And we can do that by remembering verses like James chapter 4, verse 8, which says, come close to God and God will come close to you. So again, if you are feeling far from God today, then I want you to remember that you are 
deeply loved by Jesus. I mean, that is the Christmas story. You are so deeply loved by Jesus that he came all the way from heaven, put on flesh to come and move into the neighborhood, like, uh, like it says in the message translation of scripture, that, that we, Jesus came to incarnate himself, to come and be living among us because he loves you so much. And no matter how far from God you feel like you are, you are just one decision away from his presence. All that you need to do is turn and go and search for him. And God says in James 4, 8, if you look for God, if you search for me, sorry, not James 4, 8, Jeremiah 29, 13 says that if you look for me wholeheartedly, if you search for me, you will find me. So you can remember those two verses, James 4, 8 and Jeremiah 29, 13. And you can remember the story of how Joseph and Mary searched for Jesus until they found him. So that in the moments where you don't feel like you have kept Christmas in your heart, you can come back to him quickly. Now, finally, the third thing I want to highlight for you is another moment in Mary's relationship with Jesus. And, and I'll tell you this right off the bat, that the lesson that we will learn here, or the observation that we will make, is that Mary partners with Jesus in order to be a blessing. Now, the Gospel of John tells us about a wedding. You've probably heard this story, that there was this wedding at Cana, and Jesus and his disciples were invited, and Mary was also invited. And it, things got a little bit awkward for the host when all of a sudden they run out of wine. And there's an encounter between Mary and Jesus that is very interesting. And, and what is revealed to us is that Mary shows us that she understood that Jesus was around in order to be a blessing. In fact, Mary looks at the servants in, in John chapter 2 and says, do whatever he tells you. He, she's saying that to the servants about Jesus. Do whatever he tells you to do. And so then it goes on to say that standing nearby were these six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they do. And then the attendant of the, of the, the master of the ceremonies, rather, taste the water that it was now wine. He didn't know where it was coming from. And so he calls the bridegroom over and he gives the bridegroom credit. He says, a host always serves the best wine first. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine, but you have kept the best until now. It's an incredible story. And there's a ton of other meanings there. And we could do an entire sermon series just on this one story. Listen here, though, to why this happened, among many other things that we can learn from it. In verse 11, it says, This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. That story comes from John chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. And we can, like I said, learn a ton of stuff from here. But but one of the things that I, I want to just highlight for you today for the purpose of this talk is, is something that I think we kind of tend to gloss over. And that is that this miracle was Mary's idea. It's interesting how often we, we forget that. I do when I read the story. I think, wow, Jesus is so amazing, turning water into wine. But look back at the relationship that Jesus had with uh, that, that, yeah, that Jesus and Mary had with each other. Look back at that for, for a second. This is, this is the woman who 30 years earlier 
gives birth to a pretty incredible child after uh, some, some prophetic, some miraculous vi visitations and prophetic promises from angels saying, you're going to have a child uh, through, through these incredibly miraculous circumstances and, and all of the stuff surrounding his actual birth with the shepherds and the magi coming to celebrate and honor and commemorate and all of the story around Jesus and all of the amazing things she must have seen, just the nuances of the way Jesus was as he grew up for 30 years and and now after all of this time of just understanding that this kid is here to be about his father's business like he was that day when he just disappeared and went to the temple to spend time with the priests and the teachers after all of these years three decades of of just watching this young man be about his father's business she's at a wedding and she sees an opportunity for a need, for a blessing, uh, for a need to be met. She sees this incredible opportunity and, and something in Mary's mind goes, my son could use this opportunity to be a blessing. It's, I think it's just incredible to, to, to kind of get inside the mind of the way Mary must have seen Jesus at this wedding. That she saw the lack of wine as an opportunity for Jesus to bless this family. Now, there's a lot of reasons. We won't get too deep into it. But, but just to say very quickly that, that running out of wine at your own wedding would, would have been, it would have brought shame onto the family. It would have been terribly embarrassing. And so it certainly was not just a blessing to keep the party going, but to certainly uh, keep the family from experiencing shame and dishonor in their culture. And all of this is to say this, that Mary was so in tune with Jesus's heart to bless people that she took the initiative to partner with Jesus's purpose when she said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, Mary invites us then to keep Christmas alive in our own lives by looking for opportunities to partner with Jesus, to be a blessing to those around us. For years, probably for your entire life, for my entire life, at Christmas, we give gifts to each other to commemorate the greatest gift that was ever given. I don't know if we're always as aware that that's why we give gifts when we do it, but the the heart behind gift giving at Christmas is that it, it, it honors and gives commemoration to the idea that Jesus was given to us as a gift, the gift of salvation and the gift of life. And, and now as Christians, we partner with Jesus so that other people can receive Jesus as a gift as well. We do that as we are good neighbors, as we share the gospel, as we serve in our community as we partner with God's purpose in the world to be a blessing. So Mary teaches us to keep Christmas alive, first by keeping the story of Jesus close to our hearts, by searching for Jesus, doing his Father's business whenever we feel that we have grown distant from him. And, and she teaches us to keep the story of Christmas alive by partnering with Jesus to be a blessing in the world around us. 
We live in a world that pulls us away from Christmas and from the real meaning of Christmas. And, uh, and it does that as fast and as often as possible. We live in a world full of distractions and full of other things that the world says, celebrate this and, and make your life about this purpose and this meaning. But Mary invites us to come back to the real meaning of Christmas. And she shows us what it looks like to live a decades-long life with Jesus commemorating, remembering, and honoring the purpose for why he came into the world. We're invited to live a different way. We're invited to continue to keep Christmas alive in our hearts. So today, as we begin, as we launch our 2022 Christmas season that will go into January 9th of 2023, I want to invite you today to take some time to reflect on the impact that Jesus has had on your life. I want to invite you to draw near to God through prayer and through scripture reading and through fellowship with people who will point you closer, closer to God. You can do that beginning today. You can join us on our Simple Start 23-day practice to begin the year drawing near to God. And I want to invite you, beginning today, to look for opportunities to be a blessing to partner with the heart of Jesus, maybe even today in the place where you're celebrating Christmas, and certainly as this Christmas season begins, look for ways to partner with Jesus to be a blessing to others. In fact, would you pray with me as we close this gathering uh, and this time in the Word? Will you pray with me that all of that would become a reality in our lives even right now? Let's bow our heads and our hearts before the Lord as we, as we pray. Jesus, we are thankful people. We're so thankful that you came into the world to set us free. We are thankful that you have marked our lives eternally, that, that you have made something different about us, that, that we are different and changed forever because of you. But Lord, you know that we have a tendency to lose you from time to time to grow distant, to grow weary in well-doing, or to have our faith become stagnant, or to be distracted by other things. And so we ask you today that you would help us to keep the true meaning of this Christmas season alive in our hearts today, during the rest of this Christmas season, and from now on. As we learn to live in your presence every single day, God, would you give us eyes to see the ways that you want us to bless the world through our lives in partnership with you. And then give us courage and compassion to take action, to partner with you to be a blessing. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we celebrate with each other. And as we do it, we honor the real reason for this season. Would you be honored by our celebration today? Amen. Friends, family, and uh, everybody else who would be watching this, wherever you are, whatever you are doing to celebrate this Christmas day, I pray this blessing over you. May your Christmas celebration be full of love and laughter.
May you experience the presence of Jesus in all of your celebrating today and this season. And may your blessings overflow to be a blessing to others. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today for this really special Christmas celebration service. We will meet in person again next Sunday on the first day of 2023, on January 1st. Not only will we be meeting for our regular service, but that's also going to be the day that we are kickstarting our 23-day simple start to 2023. So we'll talk a little bit more about the details of that. If you have questions about a simple start, you can go to avlife.church slash simple start and make sure you join us next Sunday in person for church where we will launch that time of pressing into the presence of God together and we will begin our fast that day so join us as we worship and get into the word next Sunday but go now and be a blessing and celebrate Jesus together Merry Christmas to you and we will see you next Sunday <music>